enjoy a meal together at that. All right, let's turn together to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. The book of Proverbs comes right after uh, the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 is where we're going to start this morning. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you or don't have one, you can grab that blue Bible in front of you. It's, and this is going to be on page 541. 541. Proverbs chapter 18, we're continuing this study in the book of Proverbs, we have, including today, we have three weeks left. Uh, today we're looking at what the book of Proverbs teaches us about our words. Next week we'll see what, what does the book of Proverbs teach us about how we use technology, what does that mean in, in wisdom and honoring the Lord with that. And then the last week before we step into Advent will be how Proverbs teaches us how to look to the future. And then it'll be time for Advent, it'll be time for Christmas. And so if you're wondering... If you were thinking about putting up your Christmas decorations at home, it's not allowed yet. So you can't do that. Until, thank you, thank you. There, there's a verse in the Bible. I can't find it right now. I'll find it later. But there's a verse in there that says you can't put it up until after Thanksgiving. So I'll let you know when, when you're allowed. And someone's going to say there's a Christmas tree out in the lobby. Well, that's just a, that's a different kind of thing. So there's different rules. There's different standards. So please do not email me about that, okay? All right, Proverbs chapter 18 Verse 21, as we think about our words, here's where we're going to start. It says in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The verse shows us, shouts to us from the very beginning here, our words matter. Do you believe that? Do you believe our words matter? I came across a news story this week that I think is a very good illustration of why our words matter. It was about this man from Azerbaijan who went on vacation to Portugal. And while he was in Portugal, he spoke Russian. Obviously in Portugal they speak Portuguese. And he was trying to navigate the, the city that he was in, in, in Lisbon, and trying to get around And he was at a restaurant, and he needed help ordering at this restaurant. Again, he speaks Russian. He needed Portuguese, so what else does he do? He has an app on his phone that translates for him. He wanted to order a, a glass of pomegranate juice. Pretty simple, harmless thing to order. And so he speaks into his app in Russian and says pomegranate juice. He transla- it translates the word for him. He takes the word writes it on a napkin, shows it to his server. Well, he didn't know that the app did not give him the Portuguese word for pomegranate juice. The app gave gave him the Portuguese word for grenade. And so he writes grenade on this napkin and hands it to the server. The server immediately takes this as a bomb threat for the restaurant. And you can imagine where Portugal is in the world and things that are going on in different areas of the world. Portugal is already on a heightened alert for various reasons. And so the server turns this in to their boss and their boss alerts authorities. Next thing you know, and you can look this up online and see pictures. Officers show up to this restaurant. They bring the man outside. He, and there, this is the picture I saw in the news story. He's laying on the ground 
with his hands on top of his head, surrounded by officers with, his gun, with their guns drawn, pointed at him. And they handcuff him, they take him into custody, they take him and interrogate him, his hotel room is searched, they inspect the restaurant to make sure there's no bombs there. Eventually this man is released, and he gets to somehow try to enjoy his, the rest of his vacation after that. Well, the, the Russian words, based on what I looked up, the Russian words for grenade and pomegranate juice are one-letter difference. So when he said into his app, pomegranate juice, the app heard grenade and translated that for him. I think our words matter. Our words can be the difference maker in a situation. And not only for translation mistakes that cause geopolitical chaos, but even more just for the words that you say to your parent, for the words that you say to your spouse, for the words that you say to a coworker, and the words that you, you and I hear from friends and from neighbors or from, from a church member here. The book of Proverbs says more about our words than any other subject. And that's because our words are important. And our words are important because if we did a kind of survey of the whole book and everything the book of Proverbs says about words, which we don't have time to do this morning in case you were getting a little, little nervous, but we would see this. What our mouths say and what our ears hear show what our hearts love. What our mouths say and what our ears hear show what our hearts love. And we're going to unpack that sentence one phrase at a time as we highlight different parts of the book of Proverbs and as we anticipate getting to have the privilege of come to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we will connect all these things together. So let's look at the first part of that, of that sentence, what our mouths say. What our mouths say. We're going to stay in the verse that we are for now, in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Let me read it for you again and think about the implications of our words from this verse. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. This verse puts the significance of our words right in front of our faces. You, you cannot miss it. It could not use more weighty language than what it does. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The first phrase that I want us to see, we'll go a little out of order here, but the first phrase in this verse is the power of the tongue. Like last week's topic about friendship, we don't always give the topic of our speech, our words, the weight that it really deserves. And the wise writer of Proverbs here tells us the tongue has power. It's a small part of our body with really big powers for good or for bad. The book of James talks about the tongue being like a small rudder on a big ship. It may be small, but it steers the entire ship. And the tongue has power because God is teaching us here that the words you and I speak are more powerful than we think they are, which means they're more important than we think they are. So here's, what it's, here's why it's important. Here's what's at stake. The first part of the verse says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Our words hold great power. Our words matter because they are instruments that can bring about life 
or they're instruments that can bring about death. Not necessarily physical death, physical life, but our speech can give, can give life to different areas and different people, or it can take life from different areas and different people. Our speech can produce death, things like gossip, bitterness, anger. Our speech can produce life, encouragement, and joy, and wisdom. Words can spark wars. Words can destroy marriages. Words can split families. Words can kill friendships and divide churches and ruin a person's reputation. But words can also make peace. And words can give hope. And words can strengthen a family, and words can unify a church, and words can spread the gospel of Jesus. Our words carry great power. Death and life are in the power of a tongue. That's why it says in the last part of the verse, those who love it will eat its fruits. He's saying our words always bear fruit. Our words always have consequences. They always have an effect, good or bad. So the reality for each of us here is that our words are the currency of every relationship that we have. So you can spend your words in every relationship to build or to destroy. You can spend your words to strengthen or to weaken. But there's two sides to this. There's two sides to this because just like in every part of maturity in the Christian life, there's a a putting off what we have to get rid of and a putting on. So this is not just about, hey, stop saying bad words. That's a lesson for today. Let's go home. That's a cheap, easy piety. This is not just about the words we say. It's also about the words we don't say. So look, you, don't, you might not have to turn anywhere in your Bible depending on how it's formatted there for you. But look with me at chapter 17. Chapter 17, all the way at the end of the chapter, verse 27. Chapter 17, verse 27 says this. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. The message here is that a wise person, a person who fears the Lord, who's striving to honor him, is careful with their words. They don't always have to be the one talking. They know words matter, so they think before they speak. Probably just a couple of us in here. I've only ever been in a situation where these words are coming out of your mouth, and as they're coming out, you're like, no, please, please come back, please come back. We think before we speak, and in a culture that applauds and celebrates speaking your mind, that that's almost like a badge of honor we wear in our culture, being a person who speaks our mind. That's not a badge of honor in the Bible. The badge of honor in the Bible is a heart of self-control that results in a person who thinks before they talk, who restrains his words. And this kind of self-control will stand out. And, And the key phrase here is in the second part of verse 27 where it says, he who has a cool spirit, is a man of understanding. So remember in our sentence that the words that we say and, the, and the, what our ears hear shows what our heart loves? This is beginning to hint at the level of our hearts. 
he who has a cool spirit. This is not cool as in popular or trendy. This is cool as in calm, self-controlled, tethered to reality. This hints at a deeper connection that not just our words, but how our words are connected to our hearts. And that's what we're moving towards in this, that what our mouths say and what our ears hear show what our hearts love. At the end of this section, what I want you to hear is this, that fearing the Lord and walking in wisdom means using our words wisely. It means we reflect a love for the Lord and a love for others with our words. That is one of the biggest tests for our faith is how we talk and when we talk and how we say things. We want our words to have a life-giving effect on our friendships, on our families, on our churches. And so we want to think carefully both about what we say and whether or not we should say it. And this leads us to the second phrase, what our ears hear, what our ears hear. Proverbs has so much to say about our words, and we're not going to cover it all today. It would be a really beneficial study for you and I both to go this week and just either with a concordance or a Google search, begin to just look up the verses in Proverbs that address our words. But it doesn't only count for the words that come out of our mouths. It also talks about the words that go into our ears. And I want you to, we're staying in the same chapter, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 4. Look at verse 4 with me. It talks about our listening. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips. And a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Speaking is only part of the equation. Listening is just as important. And and you see these descriptions here in verse 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. Those phrases, wicked lips and mischievous or destructive tongue, are examples of death is in the power of the tongue that we saw in verse 21 of chapter 18. Words that harm, words that are destructive, words that bring ruin to other people. Things like lies, small, what we like to call little white lies, or big ones, gossip, false accusations, rumors. These kinds of words twist truth, distort reality, and hurt people. And this verse teaches us that the effect of words is not just about the heart of the speaker, it's also about the heart of the listener. Because notice in verse 4, an evildoer listens to wicked lips, a liar gives ear to to a mischievous tongue. We expect the liar to be the one who's saying it, but he describes the liar as the one listening. A liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. So here the liar is not just the one saying something that's not true. The liar is also the one listening to something that's not true. Giving attention to something that's not true. Those who listen to harmful words are just as involved in it as those who speak the harmful words. One commentator, as I was studying this week, said this. 
that a person can become a garbage collector. Someone in the group becomes the one to whom disgruntled people go because that person will listen and sympathize and be a rallying point for complaints and a hero for those with hurt feelings. And that listener becomes a bigger problem in the group than the talkers. The starting point for all of us here, myself included, is that we need to admit that we love to listen to this kind of talk. Not about ourselves, about other people. We love gossip. We love to hear controversy. You know the experience of being in a public place like a coffee shop or or a restaurant or somewhere like that, and you overhear a conversation next to you of people talking about something controversial, and all of a sudden, like, wait, let me turn my music down a little bit. I'm not describing this from personal experience, just a friend of mine that, that has done this. It's not me. And you kind of, what are they, oh, I know, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you kind of listen. But you're just as guilty in that situation as the person that's talking. We love controversy. We love negative information about other people. Proverbs 18.8 says, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. A whisperer being a gossip, someone who likes to spread wrong information, hurtful information. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. The lesson for us here is that obedience to the Lord means not listening to words like this. The more we listen to lies, the more power we give to the lies. The more we welcome them, the more we spread them. And this applies to gossip about a coworker or maybe even your boss at work. This applies to rumors about a fellow church member. This applies to crazy conspiracy theories that spread around our country and around our culture. Derek Kidner, who I would recommend that you read anything he writes about, the book of Proverbs or the Old Testament. But he so helpfully says this, that evil words die without a welcome. Evil words die without a welcome. The the picture that comes in my mind with that is if you've ever watched a a weather forecast and and the meteorologist will show this front that's moving across the country, a storm front of some kind, and, and there's certain parts of the world where, certain parts of the country where that storm thrives and then it kind of fizzles out. So what could be this massive storm in Missouri, by the, times it, by the time it gets to Kentucky, it's not really anything anymore. Because the, the storm's ability to keep going depends on the conditions of where it's at. And the same is true for us, that the storm can thrive in one area and fizzle out in another area. And just because this rumor or this gossip or these evil words thrive in one particular condition with this group of people or this person does not mean when it gets to us it has to continue to thrive. But wisdom is calling us to have the courage to not listen. To have the courage to not talk behind a person's back, but to have honest, loving, and humble conversations face-to-face with each other. This doesn't mean we'll never say anything negative about another person. We talked last week about how friends, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That sometimes, out of love for each other, we want to speak correction and help into each other's lives. So it doesn't mean we never say anything negative, but it's always having to check our hearts of why am I saying this or why am I listening to this? And if you'll let me take a second and just apply this to church world, even outside of our church, as Christians, 
we love to hear controversy about other churches. This is one of the most unhelpful things to the cause of the gospel in our world. It would be like my right arm being so excited that my left arm is broken. It's part of the same body. We're the body of Christ. So it should not, we shouldn't, oh, what's going on in that other church? What problems are they having? What happened with that? There's no place for that in the kingdom of God. We want to be people, that should, our, our immediate reflex, and I, you pray for this in, in me, we can pray for this in each other. Our immediate reflex should be to pray for that church, to pray for that staff, to pray for that situation. Not to secretly rejoice in it and share it as a prayer request when it's actually just gossip. This idea of what our hearts hear, what could this change about the conversations you're involved in at your workplace? When everyone's gathered around and kind of bad-mouthing the boss or the coworker, what could it change about your involvement or how you, what you say or don't say in those conversations? What, what could it change about the conversations at your school? If there's, if there's a particular person at school that everyone likes to just kind of bash or a teacher that everyone likes to make fun of or a student that everyone likes to make fun of, you just join in on that? Do you have the courage to do something different? What, what, is it, what does it look like for the conversations that we have here at church? Do we just kind of spread disgruntledness and complaint, or do we want to speak truth and evaluate things and, and think through things lovingly together? There is, there is nothing in me that, think, that thinks, certainly not myself, or this church is perfect and we do everything perfectly. And so I always welcome your, and we as a team, welcome your feedback, welcome your questions. But, but let's be people who promote truth and not lies who promote love and not attacks towards each other. Let's be people who use our ears to listen for what's good and right and holy and godly and not for what's destructive and hurtful and not true. What our mouths say and what our ears hear show what our hearts love. So I want to come to that final phrase now of what our hearts love, what our hearts love. I hope you've seen hints of this in the different verses that we've looked at so far. There's been small, subtle hints, but now it's going to become crystal clear. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look two more places this morning. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Let's look together at verse 23. This verse says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart with all vigilance, or guard your heart, your Bible might say, 
with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. All vigilance means more than anything else. Above all, with all seriousness and weight, guard your heart. Keep your heart. It means guarding your thoughts, guarding your feelings, guarding your, your will. Your, the heart is your entire inner being as a person. Guard your heart to make sure the wisdom of God gets in and the foolishness of the world stays out. He's saying, stay the course, stay on the path of wisdom, keep fearing the Lord, don't walk across the street to Folly's house, like we saw in Proverbs chapter 9. Guard your character and look to the Lord over and over and over. But then, the very next verse tells us a practical way of do that. In verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And then what's the very next thing he talks about in verse 24? What is it? Look at your Bible and you can just shout it out to me. Our words, our speech, our mouths. He says in verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Guarding our hearts involves guarding our tongues, guarding our mouths. Our hearts control what our tongue says, and what our tongue says shows what's truly going on in our hearts. So followers of Jesus keep themselves walking in the way of Jesus by paying close attention to what we say, what we listen to, and what that tells us about what's going on in here. Spiritually, I couldn't tell you physically, anatomically, one way or the other, but spiritually, our mouths and our ears are both connected to our hearts. And what this leads us to, and what the author of Proverbs is is echoing a little bit, is the words of Jesus himself that that bring all this home for us. So we're going to turn all the way to the New Testament. This is the last place we'll look this morning, to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew's the very first book of the New Testament. So if you're not familiar with where that is, just keep moving to the right. and You'll find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders of his day. And as he's speaking to them, he says something very pointed for all of us about our mouths and our hearts. Let's pick up in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Here's what Jesus says. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. So he's given an illustration there. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. And he says in verse 34, you brood of vipers. He's speaking to these religious leaders, the Pharisees. He says, how can you speak good when you're evil? Here's the key phrase. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That key phrase in verse 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Just like the breath that comes out of our mouths comes from deep within our lungs, the words that come out of our mouths comes from deep within our hearts. Many people in high positions have speechwriters. Politicians have speechwriters. 
Some celebrities have speechwriters as they go to different events and give different speeches. And speechwriters write the words that this particular leader or figure is going to say on a certain topic, in a certain presentation. It may come out with their own personality, but the speechwriter is the one who determines the words. Jesus is telling you and I here that your heart is your speechwriter. My heart is my speechwriter. What our mouths say and what our ears hear show the goals, the desires, the ultimate agenda of our hearts. And what Jesus is pointing us to is that ultimately for our mouths to change, for our ears to change, our hearts have to change. Our hearts have to change. And I don't know about you, but when you think about that, I just think, I can't do that. You can't perform physical heart surgery on yourself, so you certainly can't do it spiritually. There's a verse in the passage that's guiding us this morning. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. There's a connection between whatever word is dwelling in our hearts and what's coming out of our mouth. Is the word of Christ dwelling in us or the words of something else dwelling in us? The word of Christ is the message of the gospel, the good news of who he is and what he's done to save sinners like you and I. So is that truth dwelling? It doesn't just say like appear in your hearts or visit your hearts. Dwell, live in you. It means you and I putting ourselves in front of the Bible day after day after day to get his word to dwell in our hearts because the more his word over time dwells in our hearts, the more his word comes out of our mouths. And it's as we trust Christ and fear the Lord and strive to walk in his ways and let his word dwell in our hearts that we begin to speak with a Jesus-like accent. And we listen the way Jesus listens and we respond the way Jesus responds, not perfectly, but out of a desire to trust him and follow him. As we think about the fact that what our eyes, what our ears hear, what our mouths say shows what our hearts love, it makes me want to pray with David at the end of Psalm 19. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you see in that verse he has a really clear idea of who the Lord is, his rock and his redeemer? He knows he's the God that saves. And so he says, Lord, may my heart be pleasing to you so that my words are pleasing to you. And because the Lord is our redeemer, we're going to come together to the Lord's Supper and continue to think about what it means to have words that honor Christ and point people to him. Let's pray and then we'll celebrate the supper together.